back to the Educators Podcast. I'm your host, Alejandro Gutierrez, and I appreciate you coming on to the podcast today, listening to this, wherever you're listening to it. If you're on YouTube, if you are on um, Apple Music, oh, sorry, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are, I appreciate you. And uh, today I have a special guest. Uh, we go pretty back. Haven't talked to him in a while, but um, we do know each other from a long time ago, and I'm gonna let him introduce himself, man. Let, let the people know who you are, man. How's it going? I'm DJ Oasis. Um, KSFM 102.5 radio out here in, in Northern California, Young California, um, part of the promotions, Fame Squad, um, representative for a whole bunch of other shit, but um, yeah, I'm here. Oh, I appreciate you coming on, uh, Oasis, and you know, I just reached out to you because I was like, you know what, I, I need to get different people on here. You know, I, I've had teachers on here, I've had um, artists, I've had painters, I've had, you know, um, authors and just different people on here. And I was like, you know what? Hey, what about a DJ? You know, what about somebody in the music yeah. industry? What, somebody who's hustling, somebody who's working hard uh, to earn their, uh, you know, earn their cheddar. So uh, let's talk about that. How did you get into DJing? If you want to kind of let us know when you started, you probably fell in love with music early, but kind of let us know how'd you got into that? Yeah. Um, early on um, in my, you know, area, Sacramento, and I mean, probably everywhere at the time, um, the four elements were, were really big as far as like breakdancing, DJing, graffiti. Um, and I dabbled in all of those. Um, and I dabbled with DJing a little bit, nothing I thought, you know, I was going to take serious, nothing I thought like I'm going to make a career out of, or even, you know, some I was going to try to make money. It was just something I wanted to learn how to do. Um, and this was probably the seventh grade. And, um, so, I mean, how old are you in seventh grade? Like 10 to 11 or something like no, that? No, no, seventh grade, you're like, I think you're 12. Maybe 12. Yeah, 12. So, 12. Yeah, yeah, 12 sounds about right. Yeah, so, you know, I'm 34 now, so, you know, you could do the math. But, um, yeah, something that I just took up as a hobby um, and really didn't take it serious, even through high school, you know, it was something that I just played with. Um, and it was until I got out of high school about maybe two, three years out of high school that um, I took it on full time. I'd got laid off of my job at the time. And I was like, hey, you know, I think this is some like that I could do on the side to make some money. And I really started studying, you know, the people um, that were high up there and, you know, in the city, like any, any career path you do, you want to study those that came before you and successful people to see how they did it. Um, and it was just some that I took on, studied all the you know, the elements to it, studied all the different roads you could take to it. And, um, you know, I've been doing this full time now for a little bit over 10, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. I'd always, uh, I'd always see your name pop up and I'm like, I know that guy. And people were like, Oh, you know, DJ Ace? I'm like, and I would just tell them, I know that guy. Like I know who he is. You know what I mean? And so uh, people didn't believe me sometimes. Like, man, this guy got big, but yeah, man, you, you were like, it was all kind of like when social media was blowing up, right. It was just, you know, like the resources weren't there maybe the way they are now. So kind of tell me what kind of, how did you, how did you even see other DJs or what they did or how did you learn these things if it wasn't as easy as it is right now? Yeah, I mean, around the time that I started taking it seriously, I think the biggest thing was MySpace. And, right. um, you know, the DJ 
uh, AM, the Jazzy Jeffs. I mean, YouTube had just started taking off. Um, I mean, not taking off, but, you know, it was something that where you could go and search things and watch videos and um, things like that. Like, um, but really, I think for me, it was actually going out and seeing everything firsthand, you know, seeing the bars, seeing the nightclub, seeing the different, you know, shows, um, seeing wherever there was a DJ at, you know, these guys are doing this three, four times a week. Um, they're making good money each night and it's like, oh shit, like you could easily crack a hundred grand a year if you take this seriously, you don't take it as a hobby and just want to get out and party, like, you know, really taking it, you know, as a serious career, even some guys, you know, that, that do the wedding stuff, the, the, you know, the event guys that, you know, DJ for Google or DJ for corporate events um, or high-end weddings, you know, that are $3,000 an event and you're doing three or four of those a week. Like, you know, you could just, you, you could do that there. So, right. um, and I studied all of those lanes and said, okay, like, this is sort of what I want to do. Uh, I'll dabble in this, dabble in that. And a lot of the stuff, you know, it just started coming my way and kept me busy over the years. Yeah, man. Ever since I, ever since I remember you, I mean, we go back to playing baseball, but yeah. Um, even at the, even like during that time, you know, you were, you were already kind of making a name, doing your thing on, on the, like you said, MySpace and, and then obviously Facebook hit off, but so so the whole DJ because the thing is the DJ thing interests me so much. I love music too, and I DJ for a while. I was more of an event DJ, you know. I would do the the little uh, quinceañeras, you know, the the parties, yeah. and man, that was <laughs> that was tough for me to keep doing it just because of the amount of you know carrying them, <laughs> carrying the stuff, loading the truck, and and you know when you do something for money, like like a lot of businesses that I went, I try to do a lot of different businesses, and I've talked about it before in the podcast, but. If it's only about the money, then then when it becomes hard, it's over, right? You're not gonna like it anymore. And I thought that's not that I don't like to create music. I don't. I wouldn't love to play with the rain right now. I, I used to have the rain and all the turntables, but you know, it's just something that obviously wasn't that important to me to keep going uh, with. Um, so, you know, when did you decide to kind of like say, you know what, this is what I want to do full time? You know, because I know you said you had a job before, you you got laid off, and then you went into yeah. it. When was it where you ever like the turning point where you're like, man, I could just do this? all the time that's what's my career it's crazy because um you know i got into it and like you said um once it becomes a job it's not really like fulfilling it's not fun anymore Mm -hmm. um and i felt that and i didn't realize it at the time um so you know i got laid off and um sort of piggybacking off of unemployment and djing to try to keep this balance of like getting, you know, uh, a structure of money and being consistent, you know, with income. And I got there, but then it was like, okay, I'm doing what I thought I loved, but I was like sort of depressed doing it. And I'm like, man, this shit isn't really fun. Um, because I was, I didn't have a big name. I was DJing like hole in the wall bars, opening sets, like, um, and then I said, okay, I need to level up. Like if I'm going to really do this, like I need to level up. So, I want, I want to get to, you know, the high end places in our city. I want to get to the top gigs. I want to be on the big shows. I want to do that. So, um, I really grinded it out for about two years, but within that two years, I found love, uh, you know, like I found love with the grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even more than actually DJing, like, you know, the anxiety of, okay, I got a, a whole blank calendar that next month and the following month. And I need to feel that like, it gives you this, this anxiety that, you know, is sort of fulfilling, like, oh, you know, um, it's exciting. Um, it could be scary for some, like not knowing, you know, where you're going to get your next paycheck from. 
But for me, it was like the excitement of like going out there, having to grind for it, having to get those gigs, having to, you know, climb up that, you know, that that ladder um, to really get to where you want to do. And I, I've achieved a lot. And, um, you know, a lot of my goals, you know, I've done over the years uh, from getting to those shows to getting to the top clubs, um, not only in my city, but in the region, you know, and, and, and SoCal, like going all the way to SoCal, flying having people like pay for flights, having people fly me out to, you know, different events, things like that. Um, so it was just like, you know, the, the, like I said, the, the excitement of the grind more than even just DJing, you know, that I really fell back in love with. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, like you say, you fell in love. I was, I was, as you were saying those two words, anxiety to like fill your calendar. I'm kind of thinking like, that's pretty cool, man. Like it is scary for some people. And I think that's why maybe a lot of us, don't go for what we really want to do because our parents tell us to go for that nine to five, right? It's like secure. You got your benefits. You got your, you know, your, uh, your paid off days paid off and all that and, and retirement. And so if it's like one of those careers like DJing or an artist or something that's just uh, an actor, right? Something that's just broad like that, where there's no like paths to taking it. A lot of parents just kind of tell you like, nah, 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 nah. You know, like you need to get yeah. a job, you know? And, and I think that's something that kind of pushes us away. Um, but I'm glad you were able to just fight through that and you know still do it. So kind of tell me if you want to tell me a little bit about um, your parents. How do they feel about this decision you were making? Did they have any pressure on you? Like, hey, what are you doing? Or were they 100% supportive of the, of the music? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Like I said, I mean, coming up, I come from a very, like, traditional Mexican family. So it's like, go work in a warehouse. Go work in, you know, some labor. Go work, you know, get a man job, nine to five. Like it's Work, yeah. Um or go to school, you know what I mean? And um, for me, you know, that's what I did. I worked in a warehouse for four years, got laid off. And I'm like, well, I do this DJ thing on the side. And at the time I was living with my grandpa and he was like, well, is the money, you know, starting to get consistent? Like, as long as it's consistent, then you can't really say anything about it, you know? Um, And especially for myself, you know, being used to getting a check every two weeks to, you know, getting paid a couple times a week as long as it's consistent, I, and I always set a mark for myself, like, okay, if I was making this much at a regular job, mm. I need to make that much or more, or it's time to go back to a regular job. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, I mean, what do you even call a regular job anymore? You know, there's so yeah. many layoffs. There's so many, you know, we work from home. I do this, this industry's down. Um, so I think that whole traditional nine to five is out the window anyways, you know, um, you know, people go to go to, uh, you know, culinary school to become chefs. Now you got people that have kitchens out of their house. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. It's just different. It's different times. You know, if you could, you know, whatever it is that you do, if you're making hats or making T-shirts and you can make a living off of it. Um, I think that's that's the new now, you know, I man, you hit it on the head because when we were growing up, because, you know, we we're on the same age, obviously. I think that was like, that was the thing, right? Get that, get that regular paying job, put your head down for 30 years, right? Get your retirement and you're good. But now, like today, the kids coming up right now, like you're almost telling them like, Hey, you got to do something, right? Like being a, you know, being, like you said, a brand, a brand designer or whatever it may be, graphic designer, anything they want to do, like entrepreneur, it's like becoming very normal now, you know, it's becoming a conversation that we're like, if and I'm hoping maybe, you know, if your son tells you I want to do this, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, all day, you know, because it's something that's kind of opened up now. It's not, it's not like, you know, our parents were a little more closed on it. You know, like, hey, you got to work here. You got to knock this out, get your degree, whatever it may be. 
But now I look at my son, he's four, and I'm saving up money for him to go to college, but I'm not, my wife and I are not stuck on this just college thing, right? I'm like, hey, if he like decides that he wants like the DJ or he wants to get into acting, whatever, start a business, like I want to have money aside for that, but it doesn't have to go to a university, right? Because like, hey, what if he has a better idea? Or what if he's already being whatever, you know, he's already doing something else that's, you know, bigger at that time. So I don't know. I think the times are changing. Like you said, it's obviously the power of social media, the power of the internet, you know, and we can kind of talk about that, how social media has helped you. Maybe if you want to tell us, you know, I know obviously for D, MySpace was created for music, right? It was created for musicians, right? That's what MySpace was for, right? For these artists to have their pages. So kind of tell me, how did social media play a part in your, I would say you're not, you're not done yet, but your success so far as a DJ. Um, I think it definitely helps, um, on that outlook, um, you know, as, as perspectives on the industry, you know, for my industry, that's how you could see what goes on in other cities, what other DJs are doing, you know, any type of lifestyle, you know, like I said, you want to study the, the more successful people that came before you, um, and you know see what routes they take you know even as a dj you know a lot of a lot of people just think like oh okay he goes out and he plays music for money like um they don't know that i do a lot of marketing for thing you know for venues for for events um a lot of event coordinating um you know those are things that i do during the day um you know i don't have a marketing degree i don't have a you know a business degree anything but i could show you numbers and i could show you you know success and numbers talk. Um, and I think with the social media stuff, it's like, that's your scoreboard, you know, any successes you put up there. Um, you know, nowadays it's not even giving out a business card or saying, Hey, come to my website. It's like, Hey, come check me out on Instagram or come check me out on my Facebook or whatever it may be, because that's where you get, um, a a full perspective on like who people are, what their business is about, you know? So it's free. It's yeah. free. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a free resource. And I, I like how you said, you said, uh, you know, it's a scoreboard. I, I always say it's a, you know, a bulletin board, right? That's why I always say, I'm like, you know, it's, it's a business card. It is. It's a digital business card. Someone says, Hey, you know, uh, what can I find you? It's like, bro, right here. And, and you can reach out to people. Like you said, you DJ in SoCal, you DJ Northern California. You were even Reno, right? You've been in Nevada, other places. So, you know, when you do stuff like that, it's easy for them to type in, you know, DJ Oasis and be like, oh, he's done. The, oh, man, look at that, what he did with this person so or this place. So I know it probably helps you big time. Um, and, you know, it's kind of sad how people are using social media right now. It's like I was talking about it today, but social media is like <laughs> it's becoming a negative place where people are just so obsessed with with sharing news and topics and, and politics where it's like, bro, that's not even what it's for. I don't go on there for that. You know, I go on there for, like you said, successes. I like to see you know, musicians clips and I like to see funny clips and sports and, and whatever it may be. And I, I don't go on there to see uh, you questioning. I don't know. That's just me. That's just me personally. Like, hey man, it's not yeah. what it's for. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really depressing, you know, like, uh, what did I just see earlier? Something um, about like a kid, like choking on something. Like it was just bad. Like, I don't want to see, you know, it's a, it makes you not even want to open the app. Um, just because it's like, I, I hate to see negativity. It brings your day down. And if it's going to be like, you know, an outlet for that, then I think that's what's going to drive everybody away from it, you know, because society alone is depressing. So, you know, with everything going on that, like, you're using the social media or, you know, you use Netflix or whatever it is to escape that, 
And if it's drawing you back to that, it's like, I think a lot of people are starting to use Instagram less and the Twitter and all that type of stuff. Yeah. People started. Yeah. It it was a rough time, right? It was a rough time this whole year with, with uh, the pandemic and and the different um, unfortunate events that were happening around the country and around the world. So people dying, all, all kinds of things. And so because of that, obviously, you know, you go on and you go on the social media, you say you want to escape it, but you know, we were all stuck at home. It was just a rough time this year. So I'm hoping that we start, you know, turning that corner and getting away from that and being able to celebrate each other instead of, uh, you know, just highlighting the things that are going on that's yeah. terrible in this world. Um, so kind of, you know, now that we're kind of talking about that, how, you know, what were you doing before the pandemic that has changed now what you're doing? You know, like what, 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 what happened to you as far as DJing, you know, obviously you couldn't go to a venues, right? They were closing things. So kind of tell me, um, you know, um, shit for me, man, it was a complete halt. Um, you know, like I said, if I wasn't actually DJing, like physically playing music, um, I was, you know, doing marketing or event organizing and things like that. So my whole industry or my whole income revolved around the industry. And you're talking about an industry that is way on the back burner on the list of industries that are coming back slowly, you know? Yeah. Um, even now it's like, you know, we're starting to come back over the last, you know, month or two, but it's been a whole year since, you know, you've been able to throw events to get, you know, your feet with, with, with the events and it's barely starting to come back. So the work is barely starting to come back. Um, but in that time, it was like, you know, the Twitch thing got pretty popular for DJs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I was still on the radio. Um, so luckily, and I thank God I had that outlet, you know, that's, you know, 60, 70,000 people every Friday listening. So, um, you know, I still had that outlet, but, uh, you know, as far as live events, concerts, clubs, like it was completely not a crumb left. Of no, no. And it was, you know, I think that's what people needed though too, right? Because the idea of closing everything down, I know the health was an issue and it still is. It's a huge priority, but the second they close all these things down, like sporting events and clubs and, and restaurants, you know, we're taking away that relief from people that they could distract themselves from what's going on in their lives and just enjoy their time. And you take that all away. On top of that, like you say, you, you put everyone inside for a whole year and then all you see is negativity on social media in an election and all kinds of things. Man, it was a rough time for everybody, right? You had to have a really strong, you know, self, you know, whatever, self power, you know, control, whatever, self strength to just, you know, uh, be able to get through it. So I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that we're almost there. Um, you know, just talking about like that industry, what do you consider yourself? You talked about a little bit, there's different lanes for DJs and, and, uh, I know that Twitch thing got really popular. That was really cool. I was, I was enjoying the, some of those Twitch that was like jumping on. I even didn't even know what the app was until this time. And I went on there really cool. What people were doing, you know, what, what kind of, what do you label yourself as a DJ? What kind of DJ are you? You know, cause there's, like you said, there's a high end events. There's people that produce music. What is it? What do you, what do you kind of, um, luckily, you know, I've been, I've been blessed for a lot of work to come to me. Um, you know, for a second there, I was like, okay, maybe I have, you know, I was so used to doing clubs and club nights, you know, I was busy out there six, sometimes seven nights a week, sometimes multiple gigs a day. And, um, you know, I was just blessed to be able to do that and be consistent where, you know, I show up with the backpack and, you know, DJ, get my check and I'm gone. Like, um, but for a second there, you know, I really started to think like, okay, I might have to dabble in the weddings. And, 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 you know, it's still something like I booked, this is my first summer booking like 
10 to 20 weddings. Um, I've never, I've never, I've always turned them down. Um, so, you know, I have been getting more into events, store, store grand openings, things like that. Um, because I didn't know, and I still don't know, you know, when the clubs are coming back full force, cause the clubs still aren't open. You know, there's bars that may have DJs, but the actual clubs aren't open. Um, so as far as like putting myself in a box, I wouldn't, Right now, I'd say, you know, as a DJ, you can't even really say, oh, I just do this or I just do that. Because I think right now you're taking any work you can um, as long as it makes sense. You know, before I would say, yeah, I'm a club and event DJ um, as far as like concerts and, you know, traveling DJ, things like that. At this point, it's like, you know, I DJ, like whether it fits (laughs) for a school or uh, you know, Safeway is having us, you know, things like that. Like, you know, it's like any gig that comes your way, you're probably going to have to take it because you've been out of work for so long. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, there's different, there's probably things that you like to do more than others, but like you said right now, it's not the time to be, uh, to be picky, right. To get on the turntable yeah. to do that. So, you know, I guess someone starting up trying to get into DJing, what kind of advice would you give someone like that? Someone, you know, let's say somebody's in high school and they're thinking like, man, I really like music and I want to do what DJs do. Like, I don't know. What kind of advice do you have? Cause there's so many different ways they could start up at. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, like I said, I mean, finding the type of DJ you want to be, you know, I think the newer kids coming up aren't really looking to be in the clubs. I think they're looking to be on these big festivals and things like that, because that's, what's cool now. Mm-hmm. You know, that outlet wasn't there when I was, you know, coming up, but I'm sure if I seen that, I would have said, Hey, I need to figure out how to get to those stages. And, you know, um, which, you know, maybe a little harder, but it happened, you know, like it's, it's, it's possible. Um, but knowing, you know, who you want to be or what you want to be like, um, you know, I, you know, having your idol or, you know, whoever, whoever is getting you into, you know, that type of category, you know what I mean? Like if it's like, okay, I want to be like dead mouse or Tiesto or something like that, you know, studying, how do they get there? You know, what do they do? How do they play? Where do they play at? How do I get there? You know, um, things like that. Because when, you know, now that we like, yeah, cause when I was doing it and I went into it, you know, you said the internet was there, it was there already. So I was like looking stuff up and I'm like buying the kit, you know, and all these different things. And man, it, it just got expensive, right? It was a lot, it was a big investment, you know, to get the speakers and do all that. And obviously that's why people, you know, either they fall in love with it or they fall out of it. Um, and, and you do your events, you said, and you do the club, like you said, and our thing, like the club DJs, right? That was the place to be. Now you said there's festivals and now you got, you know, these DJs that create their own music, right? They're creating their own music. They're doing the, you know, the house movement, whatever it is and, and, and techno, all these different things. Um, do you kind of play a little bit with that or are you uh, strictly like, you know, you mix and you, you know, you it play was music? something, it was something that I did do. It was funny. Cause you know, out of high school, you know, that was some that I did. I did mixtapes and I, you know, produced, I made, you know, beats for artists and things like that. Um, but I couldn't figure out and like, how do you make money off this? You know, besides mm-hmm. making a mixtape and going out there selling them for five bucks each. Um, you know, I didn't know any huge artists that were buying beats for a thousand bucks. You know, I was giving them to people for free. Um, so that's how I sort of like got in it. And then I'm like, okay, I need to DJ live. Like I need to actually DJ events. Mm. Um, and I never, you know, around that time, I didn't think about the clubs either. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was definitely a way that I got into it. I think, I think if you're a good DJ, you know, your timing, you have rhythm. 
um, producing comes hand in hand, you know? Okay. Um, and, and, you know, as far as like when you go out there at these events, right. And, and you're, I don't know, can you kind of describe that feeling you get? Um, I guess you can kind of compare it to like athletes when they're in the zone and you're mixing your music and you know, the people are feeling it. Like you kind of describe that a little bit. Cause I feel like that's, that's definitely got to, that's definitely what drives you to DJ. I know when you're in there, you got your headset on, right. You got your headphones on and, and you're mixing and you can see the people just having a great time. Can you kind of just describe how that feels? Um, it's crazy, man. It's a, uh, it's definitely an adrenaline, ru- uh, adrenaline rush. Um, you know, it's consistency, you know, it's, it's muscle memory. You know, you may, as they say, like I, I black out and, you know, the adrenaline's pumping and I just do what I do. And it's definitely muscle memory because it's like, if you're good at something, you're going to be, be able to do it bad, you know, over and over and over and over again. And, and the more consistent you do it, the better you're going to get at it. Um, so it's like, I could be on stage and it's like, you know, me, my laptop and, you know, my mixer and I'm just focused, boom, 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 boom. I'm cranking out mixes, you know, I'm, I'm scratching, doing whatever I'm doing, not thinking about anything else, you know? Um, but it's like, you know, like they say, it's like I black out and just boom, do my thing. And then, you know, after you're set, that's when you like collect your thoughts, like, damn, okay. Like that shit was wild. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, man, it is definitely like a muscle memory that you get from just being consistent with it, you know, just like athletes, like, you know, how'd you do that? It's like, you know, it's, it's something that built into you from doing it over and over, over again, practicing. Um, and like, I tell people like, you know, the best practice is actually being on the court. You got to get out there. You got to do it live. You can't, it's not, you know, shooting hoops at your house is way different than being on the court with people, you know? Oh, big time. And I mean, uh, <laughs> can you kind of tell, maybe give me, you know, something, a little embarrassing story or something that, you know, you just left like, oh man, I can't believe I just did that. I mean, obviously you know what you want to play and people don't know. So, you know, you could, you could always mix it up and change it up. It's not a big deal, but you have anything you're like, you went out there one time and you're just like, oh my gosh. Um, so I was DJing. So I DJ a lot of shows for this promotional company called, uh, ENT legends. And they are probably responsible for 99% of the artists that you see come through Sacramento from, you know, Little Pump to Kendrick Lamar to, you know, every show at almost at Ace of Spade and, you know, surrounding okay. areas. Um, and they brought a lot of artists that were new coming up. Um, and they brought the Tension kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys, like, you know, him, Little Pump, you know, all these guys, I'd never really listened to their music. Yeah, me neither. So, <laughs> um, when I go to go DJ these shows, it's like I'm I'm on a blind date. Like, I don't know what to expect from the crowd. Um, and especially because that wave came so quick. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, how do you DJ those type of shows? Because a lot of those kids are like, I wouldn't even say they're like really hip hop fans. It's like a lot of like, kids that may listen to rock or like things like that. Like they're, they're mosh pitting at these shows. Um, well, long story short, you know, I didn't do my homework on this guy. I don't know who he is. Um, and I guess he, he didn't get along with Drake and I'm up there DJing and I'm playing like regular stuff, not really getting responses. Cause you know, I don't know the genre. <laughs> I play a Drake song and everybody just starts booing. And I'm like, oh shit like you know is drake not cool like 
And then, like, uh, later on, I got up stage, like, oh, no, he dissed Drake. Like, they got into it over some and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so there's been a couple of those incidents where, like, I'll play an artist. Another one, another funny story is uh, I DJed for Big Sean at McClellan Air Force Base. Oh, you wow. know, pretty big show, like 2,000 people. This is back when Big Sean first started. Yeah, of course, yeah. And um, I had played, like, a remix or I played a song that he was on the remix of, which was a big remix for him at the time. And everybody started cheering. And I'm like, cool, this song's doing great. And they thought he was coming out because I played the song. So I'm like, ah, oh, I played a song that's like one of his biggest songs. So like just things like that. Like, I you know, mean, yeah. a lot of the times it's, it's usually at shows because you just don't know what to expect, you know? You get nervous when you go to those shows, like with people there and everybody's watching. Because it's a little bit different than the club vibe. Because the club vibe, you know, people can ignore, right? Like, especially when they're used to go to the clubs, like, we don't even know who the DJ is. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, you know, nobody really, I mean, to say it, you know, in the nicest way, no one really cares, right? Like, you're going to the club, we're just trying to, you know, have a good time and the DJ's there. So it's a little bit different when you're at a show and everyone's just watching you and looking straight at the stage. I mean, kind of tell me the difference right there. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, the major difference is, like you said, like at a club, there's people are drinking they're socializing they're dancing whatever but they're not staring at a stage right you're behind them yeah <laughs> on it yeah. you know light shining on you like it's it's a pressure situation you know and um there's been times like usually uh you know before i step on the stage i'm like okay how long till this artist comes on you got 20 minutes okay so i know for that 20 minutes I have to keep their attention, you know, I have to put on a show to, you know, you know, kill time, but they're going to be, they're staring at the stage. Like I am the show, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to play? Um, and you know, another funny story is like, you know, I, I opened up the show for Ray Shrimmer one time. It was mm-hmm. at Ace of Spade. Um, they're like, yeah, they're coming on in 15 minutes or on their way. All right, cool. So I start going in, I'm running through every hot song, got the crowd going crazy i'm like okay cool i set them up real nice they're gonna come on it's gonna like show's gonna explode 45 minutes later i'm starting to like run out of gas and i'm like oh shit. hey man where are they dude they're eating backstage it's gonna be like another 20 minutes by that time i had ran through every hot song now <laughs> the crowd's getting restless like you know what could you do now and um you gotta throw on california love man get the people back into it <laughs> yeah I mean, the majority of the time is these kids are young oh they right hear, a, you know right. they don't want to hear old music like that okay, okay. So you're playing like the newest hot shit you know or i would go back to you know the classics and all that stuff um so at that time i'm like Fuck. so i'm playing for another 45 minutes and I'm like, it came to a point where I'm like, yo, I'm getting off stage, man, because these people are about to start eating me alive. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure. People think like, oh, man, you get to DJ for these big shows. It's no, like, no, it's live. You know, until you're up there, you'll realize, like, it's a pressure situation. <laughs> that's that's bad. So kind of talking about that, because you've, you've, you've mentioned some big artists. Uh, uh, can You know, maybe give me a couple names, big time artists that, that you were able to, you know, be on stage with or, you know, share an experience with. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you've already named some big ones, but you got yeah, anybody else too. before they got big or huge, uh, Kendrick Lamar, you know, Kendrick Lamar came with Schoolboy Q and the whole, uh, uh, his whole squad. Um, you know, I was backstage kicking with them, drinking with them. And, and a week after that, he signed to Aftermath, um, Snoop Dogg, you know, I, I kicked it with Snoop Dogg. 
uh, Nipsey Hussle opened up for Nipsey Hussle, I think twice. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of different time and I'm probably forgetting, but you know, DJ and obviously, um, the golden one, you know, opening up for Tyga and YG and Sweetie and all them at the last one two show, wow. probably one of my biggest gigs, you know, 15,000 people sold out. Wow. That's dope, man. Uh, so you, you had, you know, you had your chance of being at different venues and stuff. And how about like dealing with these artists, man? Like, had there been any, you know, cause some of these artists come in, they're kind of, you know, kind of snobby, kind of like, Hey, you know, they're into themselves. And I, I don't like people like that, you know, period. You know, I see them on, you see it on camera, like on YouTube, you see different things. You're like, how can you even be like that, bro? You know, like anyone, even period. But have you ever had any kind of like, you know, pushback or some kind of weird situation where the artist is like, you know, not, you know, I don't know, maybe disrespecting you or just not having, you know, showing love or you've always said, you know, I mean, it's, experience. I've had different run-ins. Like, you know, first time I met Nipsey Hussle, I had um, asked him for a drop. I'm like, you know, a lot of the artists that would come through, you know, oh, yeah. for a picture and a drop. Um, so I'm like, hey, can I get a drop? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. So like, I was using my phone. Like I would get video and have him like, yo, shout out DJ Oasis and Nipsey Hussle, blah, blah, blah. So then I put up my phone, like I'm recording a video. He's like, hey, homie, I thought you said it was a drop. And I'm like, uh, you know, on video. So he's like, hey, homie, come here real quick. Like pulls me aside. And I'm like, damn, this fool is tripping or what? Like, and he's like, let me see your phone. And I thought, you know, he was going to delete or whatever, but he just talked into it like, yo, yo, what up, Nipsey Hussle? Like, yeah, I guess he didn't want to be on video. Um, hmm. Another one, Wale. I did a show at Wale at uh, Ace of Spade. And around that time, I just started doing mixtapes, like actually printing them. And I'm like, yo, man, like I got two of your joints on this mixtape. Like, you know, check it out, blah, blah, blah. I give it to him backstage. Um you know, during when he got on stage, we're backstage and I noticed a mixtape that I gave him, he had put blunt ashes on, like he was ashing his blunt on it or whatever. So I'm like, man, what a d-. But, um, you know, so, I mean, just things like that, like, you know, um, I'm trying to think is <laughs> yeah, These guys, yeah, they're funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that time with Kendrick Lamar, I mean, it's not like really a, a bad story, but you know, he had came with the whole Black Hippie and it's like mixed by Ali, Schoolboy Q, Absol, Kendrick Lamar, and we're all backstage in the green room, all in one green room. And my boys had bought one of those big ass gallons of Hennessy. And um, they were all asking like, hey, could I get a cup? Hey, could I get a drink? Could I get, and I'm like, who are all these dudes? Like, I know Kendrick, I don't know who these dudes are. And it's like Schoolboy, like they're holding out cups. Like, yo, let me get some of that bottle. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, and this is before I knew who all, you know, all the, uh, all the school was. Yeah. So it was just funny. And then later on, it's like, oh, shit, that was schoolboy. You know, that was absolute. That was mixed by, all, you know, all these guys that go on to be huge. But, right. like, you know, sharing a bottle with them in the green room, that was pretty big of me, you know? Hey, man, you, you, you've been able to, uh, you know, have some cool experiences with different big-time artists. You know, that's probably you know, uh, credit to all the work you've been putting in and, and, you know, you said that hustle of starting off in little gigs here and there and getting your name out there. So, you know, is that how it works? Are you, are you just like, you're working for an event or are you working for like a, a venue? And then when these artists come in, they just use you cause you're there. Is that, is that how it works? Or they, do they bring their own DJ? Um, it's a little bit of everything, like, uh, having good relationships, you know, doing your, doing your job. Um, you know, um, uh, I, like I said, I work with the ENT legends, which brings in a lot of artists to Sacramento, whether it fits, you know, the convention center, Memorial Auditorium, 
um, Ace of Spade, Harlow's, like they put on a lot of shows. So, you know, I was their, I'm their main DJ for the last 10 years. Um, Ace of Spade and Harlow's, um, just by, just by me doing a good job for those shows, you know, they may contact me to open for some of these acts like, Hey, we've seen you at that show. Um, we want you to open up for this act that we have coming or whatnot, you know? Okay. And, and on the business side, Oasis, you know, how, how do you, you know, set how much, you know, you want to make? Cause obviously, you know, you have a number and the reason I ask is because I've had a couple people call me, you know, I'm, I'm working on this podcast. I, this is not the finish line for me. This is something I'm trying to start to get myself into the talking space, right? Because I like to talk a lot. And, uh, like, you know, I think I could do this, you know, for for a while. So I've had people approach me with different ideas, different projects. And they've asked me, you know, what's your number, this and that. And it's kind of hard for me to, you know, I do have a nine to five. So my situation is a little bit different where it's like, oh, I don't need that much, you know. But well, how do you come up with that number of, what you know, how much you want to make for an event? Right? And you don't have to give us exact numbers, but how do you come up with that number? I mean, for me, um, it's like, what is it worth to you? You know, um, like you said, if you don't need the money, then you may turn down a gig that you know is going to be stressful or that you're going to like dread doing. Um, but <laughs> what, what, what kind of, hold on, stop right there. What kind of event would you dread doing? What kind of event would be stressful like that? I mean, to me, like a wedding. Like okay. I dreaded, I've always dreaded to do weddings because I feel like it's a lot of work. Um, and I feel when you take on those jobs, those are the people that are actually paying you to do what they want. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's their day you're working for them. So you're not, um, you're not you, you don't get to, yeah. you know, set the playlist. You don't get to make the changes, right? You know, they have songs they want you to play, right? Is that, is that exactly. why? And, okay. and, and, you know, it's somebody's special day that they're going to remember for the rest of their life. So you don't want to screw it up either. <laughs> you want everything to make sure it's on point, whatever. Okay. okay. Um, so it's like, for some like that, it's like, okay, I need the big budget. You know what I mean? Cause I don't want to, do it unless I'm getting X amount. Um, obviously, if it's like, yo, Jay-Z wants you to DJ at his house, you know, it's going to be like... For free. For free. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll damn it. You do it. Like, you'll, pay, yeah, you'll pay him, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a give or take. It's like, what is it worth to you? You know what I mean? Um, you know, some of the biggest shows I've done are the, the least paying gigs, but they meant so much more to me than some of my highest paying gigs, you know? Okay. So you're definitely not money, money driven. You know, we all want to get paid, but yeah. it's definitely not a money thing. It definitely has to be, you know, cause they got to respect the artist too. Right. You know, at the same time, you're an artist, you know, I consider you an artist, you know, you, you, you have music, you know, cause all the songs are there. Right. But you and I are going to come up with a whole different mix, you know, cause I, first of all, I don't know how to do it, but second of all, you know, you and another DJ will have a different way of, you know, bringing it in, fading it in, you know, mixing it, whatever it may be. So I consider you an artist. Um, and at some time, you know, you want to be able to have that creative control, right? A little bit of what you're going to do. So that's a little bit different, right? Because you go to a club, you're able to like play your thing or you go to an event, you just got to keep them hyping, you know, you got to get them hyped up and get them going. And like you said, you got to know your audience, right? Because you and I are down with some old school stuff. Like you said, we can have some go-to songs you can just put on and people will be like, ah, okay. But like you said, the new crowd, man, you know, they're into like this whole different genre. We don't even know like the artist names, you know, I don't, I don't even know. The only reason I know the names you were mentioning is because you know, my students will, will talk about them. Like, I don't even know who that is, man. I'm yeah. still, I'm still listening to the Tupac CD from a long time ago. So I don't even know. Um, yeah, man. So as you, as you continue with your DJing, what would you, uh, what would you say would be a six, you know, where you can say, you know what, I've made it, you know, this is the point where I've made it. This is where I want to be. Cause there's so many DJs out there doing different things. They have their different goals. What, it, 
where would you be like, hey, today you look in the mirror, like this is this is it. This is where I made it now. Yeah, I mean, um, if you haven't got there yet, you know, I don't know if you're there yet or you want to be there. Somewhere. I mean, honestly, like I, I'd say I made it a long time ago. You know, the the first year that I could successfully say, you know, I've taken care of my bills and you know, um, I have a structured business and money's consistent. Like that's making it to me. You made a business. You made mm-hmm. a successful business. Um, that's what's making it to me. Like, it's not like, oh, I got a Lamborghini and I got a big ass chain and I got a mansion. Like, that's cool. You know what I mean? But, you know, um, you still have to be, you still have to have a consistent and successful business to obtain all those objects, you know? So you could have made it to that point, but now you have to keep making it to, you know, keep the stuff. Um, so I'd say just, you know, making it is making a successful business. Being a successful business is being able to, you know, make your spread, cover your bills, take care of your family with your business. Yeah. I'm, I'm, do you end up investing back in yourself as far as like what you make or are you at this point right now where you have what you need or is, you know, I mean, like as far as equipment, I mean, how does that kind of work? You know, I know you're at the, you're at the radio, you're doing different things. So some places, you know, some venues, you know, you kind of tell us a little bit about the DJ industry. Some venues, you know, obviously give you stuff. They, I mean, they not give you stuff. They provide things for you. So kind of tell me a little bit about that. Um, I think there's always an upkeep to any business. Um, you know, with me, it could be promotional items like, you know, printing T-shirts, printing hats, printing, you know, business cards, um, buying yourself new clothes. Like, you know, you can't look bummy when you step out. You know, you got to be mm. presentable. Um you know, photo shoots, um, you know, equipment, you know, in this day and age, there's always new equipment coming out. Um, the newest laptops, the newest mixers. And, you know, now, you know, like you said before, you used to have to lug around 20 cases, huge speakers, um, a million cords. Now, you know, you got controllers like this size, like you don't need turntables. You got a literally a controller that could fit in your hand to DJ with. Mm. Um, and everything's a lot lighter. And, you know, I think, as technology grows, like it's going to be easier and easier, but you're going to have to, you know, keep up with technology and, and always every year is going to be something new or some, you know, to make your life easier at whatever you're doing. Are you working hard? Is like just growing this label. I mean, this, this brand DJ Oasis, or are you also like a part of other things that, you know, like, how do I say this better? Um, like, are you the business or, you know what I mean? Or do you have like, some other project behind it as well? Like, are you part of like this crew or what, how does that kind of work right now? Um, I got a, a ton of different projects. Um, I'm actually working on a couple other ones. Um, so, I mean, I have DJ Oasis, obviously right. successful DJ, you know, has all these accolades attached to all these brands, um, you know, but then I have, you know, there's Fame Squad, which is like, you know, my crew of DJs and promoters, which we put on events, you know, and we have successful brands out of that also. Um, things like the fly market, which is like an outdoor, you know, clothing and shoe market, um, a little bit of everything. So, you know, just little things that we dabble in. Um, there is, you know, the Young California stuff, which is another group of DJs, a lot of successful DJs where, you know, it's a connection up and down the coast. Um, you know, the radio, um, you know, which is a whole different element, you know, everything is just different lanes and, and being, you know, successful and, and upkeeping all those lanes, you know. Um, but I'm also, like I said, I'm also working on a couple of new ones I don't want to really talk about, but, you know, they're new businesses, you know, that 
someday when I want to hang up DJ Oasis, these businesses will continue to, to bring in revenue for me to where I don't have to DJ live anymore, you know? Hey, man, you know, I, I hope you get to that point. I know you will, man. And just, just don't forget your people, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I remember you quite. What's up? Shout out Red Bull. Shout out Red Bull. Oh, really? Yeah, I got a um, little sponsorship with them uh, over the um, pandemic, really connected with them. Um, there's a project coming out with them also, so wow. that'll be probably in a couple months. That's dope, man. I was saying, yeah, that's all. Hey, that's all your hard work you're putting out there, you know. And, and there's so many different avenues to go, right? You're talking about, you know, there's clothing, there's events you're doing, there's live events, there's producing. There's so many things you could do with the music industry. I know it's it's a very tight space. There's a bunch of people, you know, everyone everybody wants to be a rapper, everybody wants to be in music. You know, how how is that collaboration? How how does that feel like with other DJs? Is it very receptive? Are people down to work? Are there are people down to collab or? Or everyone just kind of does their own thing and be like, hey, man, no, nah, man, I'm not going to teach you nothing because you got to figure it out. How does that work with the DJ? It's a give or take situation, man. I've um, I've built up people to where they're really loyal. They're by my side to this day. Anything I ask for, they're there. I've also built up DJs that as soon as they, they you know, find their lane, they're out. Don't need you anymore. You know, I'm doing my own thing now. Um, and you learn throughout the years, you know, you teach people things, you don't teach them everything. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But, you know, and that's just the business of it. You know what I mean? Like, I've gotten burnt, you know what I mean? Uh, a ton of times, like putting people on and people backstab you, all that. Um, but at the end of the day, you are your business. So people could uh, imitate, but they can't recreate, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like how you said, you, you teach them something, don't teach them everything, you know, because... You know, and not that you're, you know, you don't want people to come up. It's just, you know, hey, you know, some people have to learn by doing it too, you know, yeah. and and, that, and I'm pretty sure somebody let, you know, uh, you know, lifted you up when you were starting out. And at the same time, you know, you want to open that door for people coming, you know, behind you, you know, because that's, that's part of your legacy, right? It's like, oh, no, you know, Oasis put me on. So that's, yeah, that's something the, that you do. For the most part, I put a ton of people on and, and you know, um, I'm always open arms to anybody, you know, as long as you don't burn me, you know, the first time you burn me, it's like, all right, my eyes are open. Like, you know, it won't happen again. That's, that's tight, man. So, you know, and I know you kind of talked about, you grew up in a traditional home, you know, traditional Mexican home. Like you're saying, it was like, you know, this cultural thing, you know, how does that kind of play in, into the music that you like? Because obviously, you know, you're into the hip hop space. Um, is there any other, any other genres that you kind of mess with, at least that you like or you enjoy, or, or are you just so focused in on what you have to do for work? Um, I mean, obviously I have to, you know, know what the hottest hip hop or top 40 records are for work. Um, and it's funny cause you know, I, I'm not fluent in Spanish. I understand everything, um, but I can't speak it fluently. Um, but it's like with this wave of reggaeton coming, yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I get hit up to do a lot of those events. We actually threw one of the biggest reggaeton parties at Ace of Spade uh, called Gasolina. And it's like, hey, uh, you know, could you say in Spanish on the mic, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, bro. <laughs> it's funny because it's like, man, I, I, you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, um, I didn't speak English well. I, I spoke nothing but Spanish. And I think throughout the years of going to school, um, you know, and not getting picked on, but like, oh, I need to speak English, like the Spanish. Yeah, trying to fit in. Yeah, trying to fit I in. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I understand, Spanish, you know, Spanish, like, 
A hundred percent. But as far as speaking it fluently, like I'll miss a couple words here and there. But, you know, with this wave of reggaeton, it's like, man, you should know, you know, the Latin music. And it's like, I know the Bad Bunnies. I know the Don Omars. But like, you know, even like the Banda stuff, like there's a lot of Banda events in Sacramento. And it's like, you don't know this stuff, bro. Aren't you Mexican? And it's like, yeah, but I, you know, never really followed the genre, which I probably should have, you know. Okay. Yeah, because there's a whole, I mean, well, the thing with music, I mean, even DJs, I mean, you could be into just one genre, you'd be fine. You know, there's so much, there's so many, you know, so many different, so many different avenues to go. There's no way you can have all the music, you know, under your hat. So it's impossible. But, you know, I, I can kind of relate a little bit to that because, you know, I listened to, um, you know, hip hop growing up. We listened to probably the same music. And then obviously at home, all my parents ever played was, you know, Mexican music. So that's obviously like, it's in my, you know, I even have records right here. They're old school, you know, from my dad's time. So that kind of stuff just in here, you know what I mean? But obviously I know what's hot, you know, and kind of talk about, you know, the reggaeton, we were, when we were in high school, reggaeton was, it came out. Remember that? It came out with Daddy Yankee and then it just like, it went away, you yeah. know, kind of talk about how that, talk a little bit about reggaeton and how, you know, how hot it's been, you know, cause it's crazy right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, that whole reggaeton stuff, like I remember, you know, Gasolina and Pitbull and, um, you know, Noriega had his hit, Omi Canto, and, like, mm-hmm. um, I remember those came out around the time. And then I'm like, ah, I don't know, this is, like, maybe it's hot in, like, Cuba or Miami. Like, it, right, the around Korean. that time, it, like, makes you think of Miami or something, you know? Yes, yeah. You wouldn't think, like, that's hot in Sacramento because, you know, traditionally it was, like, you know, like the Puerto Rican, Cuban type of stuff. I don't, I don't know if it was hot in Mexico. And, and Sacramento was, like, majority Mexican. So, like, for me, like you said – when I was growing up, it was like, what I heard in my house was like, uh, Vicente Fernandez and shit. Of course, yeah. Like, so when I go do these banda events and things like that, that's not, that's totally different. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I, I, I was never raised on what actual DJ in a Latin environment would play. So it's like learning, you know, everything. Yeah. No, and reggaeton has definitely changed the game. I mean, it's obviously become more mainstream. You've seen you know, radio stations have changed just to play that as well, you know, because before it wasn't like that. Um, you know, what do you think about this Bad Bunny thing, man? These tickets are going for like, <laughs> they were, that day they were going out, I called my wife just messing around because, you know, she doesn't like him too much, but, you know, she we follow the music, but she's like, are you trying to go? She's like, heck no. You know what I mean? So what, what do you think about that? What What is what is that? What is going on? How do they cost so much money, man? What are they going to do with this show? It's, um, it's crazy because... Um, I remember the first time Bad Bunny came to Sacramento, um, he, I want to say he sold out Golden One. Um, if he didn't sell it out, I think he got close to selling out and he threw an after party for it and not knowing like what, what the genre of music was like reggaeton had just really started to get popping, but he had everybody at his, at his concert, um, so it like came out of left field, but then it was like, okay, this is probably something that we got to start paying attention to because we're DJs. And if these people are selling out arenas and getting this big, like we're going to have to start playing this in the mainstream, um, which even like with 1025 and the radio, you know, some of these records are so big that they cross over from the Latin stations to the, you know, the American stations and the hip hop stations. And, um, you know, when something's that big, it can't be ignored, you know, no. just like EDM had its time also where a lot of EDM records are crossing over into the mainstream, you know, but I think reggaeton, 
you know, with such a big Latin community, like I said, Mexico, uh, you know, South, Southern America, South yeah. America, Caribbean, uh, yeah, but Puerto Rico, like there's a huge Latin demographic. So I think this might actually be, you know, the next big thing that's here to stay. And this is what I tell my students, right? Because I have a lot of students that want to be rappers, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm a Spanish teacher. If you didn't know, I'm a Spanish teacher. So I always like tell them, hey, but what if you learn a little bit of Spanish and then you got some tracks, you know, they're like, look at me like I'm dumb. And I'm like, there's 21 countries in the world that speak Spanish. Listen to me, right? I was like, there's a reason why Bad Bunny, and I'm telling, I give him like real life things. I'm like, there's a reason why Bad Bunny is who he is. It's because the language he speaks. You understand that, right? As they're like, what? I'm like, it's not just the United States. This guy's selling out the entire world. You know, and this is, and this is something that, you know, Ricky Martin did before that and people were doing before that. You know, a lot of people were doing this because if you can cross over, like you said, and have that um, Spanish and English, oh man, you know what I mean? It's, it's a whole new market. Not only that, but I mean, just in life in general, you know, you look at the jobs now and, and jobs pay extra money if you can speak Spanish. Because they're, like I said, I mean, especially on the West Coast, California, there's such a huge land demographic. Big time. So it's like, it's almost like, you know, if you're not, if you're not speaking two languages, like, that's why I tell the kids, I go, hey, if you and I go for the same job, I'm going to get it. And they're like, oh, no, because you're, oh, my, no, listen to me. Like, I'm going to get the job over you because you only speak English and I can speak two languages. You know what I mean? So I, I try to you know, pump them up somehow, try to get in their lane, you know, because they like music or they like something. I'm like, imagine you could do that, you know, because I know you're pretty, you should be probably familiar with the show Money Heist on uh, Netflix. Yeah. I don't know if you know. Okay, well, Money Heist is La Casa de Papel, right? So it's a, it's, a, it's a Spanish show from Spain. And they talk about, and it was the biggest show in the world, right? On Netflix, it was crazy. It was number one. It still is. And so they were talking about how it was getting canceled in Spain, right? Like it was like, they weren't going to do it anymore after season one. They're already going to be in season five. And what happened was, they started, you know, dubbing it in English and dubbing it all over. And then not just dubbing it, but just playing it all over the world on Netflix. When Netflix bought it, all of a sudden it became the number one show in the world because of all the countries that could, you know, 21 countries can watch that show without having to translate it. You know what yeah. I mean? So now you open up that market and then obviously you can put English on it and, and that opens up even the other part of the world. So it's just a it's a language thing, you know, and, and it's a world. It's how do you connect to the world? And and you can speak English and be very successful. Obviously, we've seen all these mainstream artists, but. I'm just trying to open up that second avenue for them. Like, hey, you could do this too, you know? So, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. I know, um, you know, speaking of school, I don't know, you know, there's uh, one of the influences too that I know I went back to actually Leroy Green to talk about, but uh, Mr. King, he's a DJ. I don't know if, um, you know, but he works there and he was like, you know, he used to, you know, explain like, oh yeah, you know, DJing on the weekends and this, 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 but um, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, years later, I went back to go talk to the kids at the school. And, you oh, know, because wow. when you could explain to them, like, you know, you explain to kids like uh, there was a Spanish teacher that also was an algebra teacher at Natomas High School. Can't think of his name, but um, Mr. Martinez? You know, when, what was it? Mr. Martinez? Yep. And um, the tennis coach, right? He's like, yeah. He, yeah. So, okay. and, uh, you know, he had sat me down one day and he's like, look, like, you know, my kids are going to these top, you know, Penn State and blah, 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 and all these, you know, these huge schools, right? And he was like, you know, if you would have just worked on your grades, like, you could have did this and you could have did that, like, you know, getting these kids to really pay attention, like, that's one thing, like, you know, you see that meme, uh, if you could go back to being a 10-year-old, knowing what you know now, like, you know, really getting through to these kids and explaining to them, like, you know, it's not a joke or it's not like, you know, a, a TV commercial saying, hey, focus on school, that will open the door to anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
like really, you know, getting through to these kids. And I don't know if it's more uh, after school programs or, you know, they need because I know when I was in junior high and I was high school, it's like, is it three o'clock? Is it four o'clock yet? Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. No, I know. It's like it almost felt like you have to be there. And then like, cool, now you're free to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Um, And it's until after high school to where it's like, okay, now if you want to go to college, now this part is on you. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it's, and I think that's a big thing. You know, um, I don't know what the numbers are nowadays with kids that continue on with education, if it's getting better or it's, it's, it's decreasing. I think, I think is I think it's, I don't know. I can't even, I'm guessing, I would guess it'd be the same, you know, a little bit of both, you know, there's some that are making it, some that aren't, I think, you know, you, I think you hit it on the head. It's, 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 it's realizing what you need to do, but we're too late for that. You know, like we're now that we're thirties and our thirties like, ah, oh, man, in my twenties, bro, if I would have started a podcast, I'd be 13 year podcast. You know what I mean? I'd be Joe Rogan, but you know, we can't, we can't do that. Right. So we can't go back and do that. We have to go forward. But you know, the students, what I try to do with them and connect to them is like, Hey, I understand that school seems like a chore to you, but there's some things that you can learn from it, you know, cause there are some classes that they just, they don't, they don't fall in love with, but it's not just about the subjects that you're learning. There's just life skills, you know, being disciplined to do stuff, yeah. getting, getting on school, getting, getting to school on time, which is a hard thing for a lot of them. You know, waking up to go to school, uh, following through with whatever you want to do. So, yeah. What was that? Hygiene and PE. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. the Hygiene. Yeah. Hygiene and PE. Health from PE. You know, like being fit is a problem now. You know, being fit yeah. is a huge problem, like especially with the pandemic. Like kids are so used to playing video games, just sitting down. And the parents are like, what, what are we supposed to do? They can't do anything else. But you know, and right now, like I coach the soccer team, it's really hard to get kids to come out. A lot of them are just in this funk, you know, like, well, we don't have to do anything, right? And so, and then we can't really say, don't play video games. You can't make a career out of it because you can. There's a there's careers out of that now. So now we now our parents used to tell us that with the Sega Genesis, but now we these parents can't say it to their kids because there is a career. Doing anything, like I said, um, you know, it's it's the gates are open. Like, you know, anything you want to be in life, anything you want to do, it's possible as long as you have. But then again, I mean, you said like, you have to have discipline. You have to be responsible. Um, you have to be professional. And all of that comes from, you know, high school. Like I didn't have, you know, discipline in junior high, high school. I wanted to have fun. And it was until years after that. It's like, you know, once you leave high school, that's when in your head, you're going to decide if you want to push forward, be successful or if you want to mess around and float around, you got to set goals for yourself. And, um, you know, ultimately only you could push you, you know what I mean? Um, and how many hours you want to put into a craft or, you know, how many hours you want to put into a career or whatnot. What, what do you, uh, what, what do you take from school though? Like, I know you had your school wasn't your, you know, you say that wasn't your number one thing. It wasn't something that you were just like passionate about, but what do you take from it? Like, I know you just mentioned hygiene, but what else do you take from it that you use today? Um, socializing, you know, socializing is a big thing, you know, um, like how, you know, this year with the pandemic, a lot of kids are at home, you know, you have to be in an environment. You have to see how real life is, you know, you're in a, you're in a room with 30 other kids that all have different attitudes that, you know, how do you respond to things? How do you, you know, um, talk with people like, you know, so social skills are such a big thing in life period um you know PE too I was a lazy lazy kid in high school but you know throughout your whole life with recess and PE they're telling you hey 
a certain part of your day is <laughs> exercise. Yeah. So you stay healthy. You know what I mean? Right. I'll continue that on in life, you know, whether if it's a half hour during the day, go walk around or do some. Um, but, you know, it's like they, they set you, like you said, you know, getting to school on time, you know, majority of the time, I guarantee those are the same people that are late to their job every, you know, 15 minutes every day. Um, discipline, you know, like um, the discipline that, you know, school teach you, hey, you can't do these things in this public environment. Dude, you could do that at home, but not in this public environment. You know, it teaches those, those skills to take on to a workplace or, you know, just in life period. Like, um, there's all types of different things, man. I'm sure I could name a million other ones if I could think of them. No, no, you named some good ones, though. You know, you, yeah. you, you've you named, I think that's, and I think that's the point, especially social. You're not the first person to say that, you know, that I've had on here. I think that's a big thing. It's like being able to communicate, express yourself, and also Feed, you know, like you said, feel the room, you know, feel the room, see who's there, what's going on. And, and especially you're, you're your own man, right? Like no one, like people aren't employing you, right? You, you, I mean, yeah, they do at the radio station, but you, you're, you're your own person, right? So like, if you don't represent yourself, right, you're not going to have any gigs, you know, he says, you're not going to have any gigs anywhere. So exactly. you, you, you're learning how to be social, how to interact. You have these different artists that come in, you help them out. You know, you're dealing with top people, club owners, whatever it may be. So you're, you know, you got to be able to socialize. You got to be able to communicate and obviously, you know, sell yourself and also, you know, be a man of your word, right? Show up on time and, and be professional about it, right? 100%. 100%. And presentation also, you know, just like in high school, you want to get the girl, like dress up, <laughs> you know, comb your hair, come presentable to school and, you know. <laughs> so what do you, what do you do for yourself, man? Because to I, for me to get away from stuff, I listen to music, right? Or I listen to a podcast, I do my yeah. thing. But you listen to music all day. So what do you do for yourself? Uh, for me, which was always one of my second loves, was uh, working on cars. Okay. So, um, you know, over the pandemic. So I had a, a classic car that I've had for the last 20 years. Um, I hadn't touched it in about 10 years. And during this pandemic, I actually, like, worked on it. And I invested, you know, a good amount of money. And I got it up and going. And from that car, it like brought my love back to working on cars. So from that one, I went and got two more project cars that I was working on because, you know, I didn't know when I was going to go back to work. So I'm like, now that I have this time and, you know, I have a little bit of money to work on things like it's something that I know how to do. Like, you know, so I'm going to take on these projects. Um, other than that, you know, obviously my son, like, you know, doing things with him. That's good, man. And, and that's something that I talk about with people is like, if you didn't come out of this pandemic, obviously a lot of people didn't make it out of this pandemic, but if you did make it out of here and you didn't pick up something new or, or be able to reset, it's like, then you were never going to do that. You know, cause people were like, Oh, if I just had time, like, nah, bro, you had over a year to get started. Right. And so one of the things that I've always preached about was getting healthy, right? Because when you and I met, you know, we were athletes, we were playing sports, you know? And so you know, it's easy to get away from that, especially when you're in your twenties and you start having money and you start eating out and it's cool to eat out. Yeah. And you, you know, and, and all, we can make all kinds of excuses, but at the end of the day, we just weren't active enough. Right. I wasn't active enough. And I gained, you know, a lot of weight and I was like, I'm just not being the best, my best self. So, yeah. you know, it was something I said, you know what, forget this, bro. You know, I got to go do it. And I was running every single day. It hurt. It was terrible. Um, but now I'm able to run, you know, I can run. I'm, I'm, I feel good, you know, and um, I was also able to finish the garden outside, you know, cause we moved into a house that was a little bit of a fixer upper. So it was time to put some work in and I had time. There was no excuse like, Hey, uh, I'll do it. Late. Nah, 
I had, we had a bunch of time. We were knocking out the garden, you know, doing different things. So, you know, I hope other people were able to get out of this pandemic healthier uh, mentally and, and, and hopefully in the future, you know, physically, because we, if this is what has, this pandemic has taught us that if you weren't healthy, you weren't at your best state, it was going to get you, you know, and we've all been exposed to yeah. it in some way. Um, you know, I'm a teacher. So imagine that virus was going around school before we even knew people were getting sick already. We had no idea what that was. So when this happened, um, yeah, for sure. you know, we've been around it, you know, so it's just how healthy are you to be able to, you know, go against it, you know? So, you know, uh, I don't want to take too much of your time, man. Um, I guess, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get you, I don't know, maybe I'm going to pitch it to you. I'm trying to get some documentaries done in the future. So I would need somebody on the music side to, you know, help me out with that. So, you know, oh, I, yeah, for it's sure, a good thing man. I know a DJ, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I said, I mean, I got tons of things going on that, you know, I'm sure you may be able to help me with, you know, in the future. Gotcha. But um, yeah, man, I'm always here. Reach out whenever, whenever. Like I said, I mean, right now I got a lot of time on my hands. I'm getting back to work, but, um, you know, reach out. I'm always here. What, what does your typical day look like then? I mean, not. Even let's pretend the pandemic was over or even before the pandemic. What does your typical day look like? Because to me, it's like, man, you got to be up all night. You know what I mean? Everyone's going to bed, but you're still there, you know, setting, you know, cleaning up and getting your stuff ready. And then you got to go to bed. What does your day look like, man? Like as a um, So this this is what I like to say, you know, is taking it as a career and being responsible. You know, there are DJs that are, you know, the stereotype of what you may think they are. Um you go out, you party, you get drunk, you DJ, you make your money, you sleep in all day. You know what I mean? Um, which I did in my early 20s, you know. Um, but once you take it serious as a job, it's like any other job. Okay, I work night shifts, you know, or I work graveyard. Okay, okay. I know I'm going to clock in or I'm going to go to this job at 9 o'clock. I'm probably going to get done about 1.30, but I'm not going to make it home till probably be about 2.30, you know, after cleaning up everything you know, um, being social because you, it's not one of those things you just walk in, do your job and walk out. You know, you shake everybody's hands, security, management, bartenders are, Hey, you know, thanks for, you know, good night, blah, 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 blah. You know, you get, you have to be a social person, you know? Um, so you get home at two 30, your adrenaline's still pumping from, you know, working all night, having that energy, being around that atmosphere that you're going to need, 45 minutes to calm down. Cause you go in that bed, you're still seeing flashing lights from the club. Right. You just hear the music. Boom, boom. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you need about 45. So you're, you're looking at about three o'clock, you know, going to sleep. Um, <laughs> for me, it was totally fine. You know, waking up at, at 11, 12, once I had a kid, it was like, you're not sleeping in, you're waking up at seven or eight, you know, ever, you're not sleeping in ever again. Yeah. So, ever. <laughs> that was something I had to get used to. So that's when I really took it as like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. As soon as I get home, I'm going to try. And usually at the, around that time, like after I had my son, I was so tired that I would knock out like that. So, you know, waking up at about seven, eight, make him breakfast. Um, if he's going to the babysitter, you know, take another babysitter about eight or nine um, or nine, nine or 10. And then coming home, getting on my laptop, replying to emails, replying to marketing stuff, um, scheduling, um, promotions, you know, making sure all the promotions are on point for the week or the month, whatever it may be, um, returning phone calls. So that's what I'm doing for about four to five hours. My afternoon, um, getting dinner, you know, 
know, dinner ready, whatnot, picking my son up from the babysitter, um, or if he's with me all day, whatnot, uh, going shopping for some things I may need. And that's leading up to do it all over again, you know, around <laughs> five or six, I'm trying to wind down before I go and do it again. So it's like, it's a busy day, believe it or not. It's not like, you know, you don't have a lot of downtime, which some people may believe. No, and I believe it because when you, when people go to bed, you're working, you know, like most people go to bed, you go to work. And so like, we're used to this, like in the morning and then afternoon thing, you know, like you said, you're, you're, you find your spots to rest, but it's like a weird, you know, like here's, yeah, a, here's yeah, yeah. some rest, here's some work, here's some rest, you know, but you you figured it out, man. That's, that's, that's what you want to do. You're passionate about it. And, um, I wish you the best, man. I know you're going to, like I said, I've, I've seen your name. I've seen you from far away on social media this whole time. And I'm like, Hey, he's still doing it. That's good. You know? And, um, I'm glad to be able to connect with you again, man. No, for sure, man. You too, brother. So, uh, anyways, let them know where they can find you, man. Cause I know I'm hoping, you know, people are, are down to go check you out and, and support your movement. Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing is djoasis.com. It has all my links to, you know, my Instagram and, and music, um, uh, free downloads, videos, um, my press kit, everything's on there. Um, if not, Instagram, just straight out DJ Oasis, Facebook, DJ Oasis 916. Um, I'm sure I pop up, you know, some of the top ones on Google. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, at the <laughs> night, nightclubs, wherever. Yeah, we'll see you. All right, man, I appreciate your time. And uh, like I said, man, hopefully we can connect soon and then get some stuff done. Yeah, for sure. Good talking right. to you. Bro. All right, thank you. All right, my friend. Yeah.